Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. Today I have a guest, I've tried to get him on for a while. Our schedules haven't mixed up perfectly because he's uh, been traveling, he's been in, in uh, Croatia with the Marian Silic of all players and uh, he's now in Covington, Louisiana, right? So you're back to your, yeah. your homestead for, for the time being. Uh, Davor Dekar is from uh, Tennis House, uh, huge following and very, very good coach. I have a friend who's very negative about online coaching, but he likes Davor stuff. And that's, yeah. a, that's a sign of, and he's a very good player. So that's a sign of, of, uh, of being approved. Uh, uh, so how are you today, man? Uh, very good, very good. Had already a long day of uh, teaching. And, uh, but other than that, you know, I'm planning, planning a lot of things for October. I have a big event in October. It's the Tennis House. Uh, it's not a conference anymore. It's, it's, it's turning into a Tennis House weekend. You know, with DJ Matt Links is going to come. He's right now in Washington with uh, Nicholas Monroe, Johan Creek, Emilio Sanchez, um, Peter Freeman, you know, from Crunch Time. So, uh, you know, and then um, I, have a, I have a good lineup uh, coming there. Justin Ross, who works with Alexander Richard. Um, and then I might get Alexander and uh, Ante Pavic here and then a few more. So it's, it's a big event, you know, um, a lot of planning started that six years ago. So I'm working every day on it until October. Wow, wow. And then you're still coaching as well among all that? Yes, uh, yes. So about like, you know, at the moment, probably like 30 hours. I try to be 30 hours is like the limit for me now, you know, since I'm running a Chifangta Country Club tennis department. So I have other responsibilities. So it takes a lot of time. And Chifangta is in Covington, Louisiana. And how did you end up there? Because I think, I mean, you're Croat from the beginning. And you went to Germany as well, right? You, you played for Germany for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised actually in Germany. My both, par both parents are from Croatia. I speak it fluently. And, you know, when both parents are from one country, you're raised like that, you know, like, so I'm raised like a Croatian kid, I think. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I moved 13 years ago here to Covington, Louisiana, which is about 30 miles north from New Orleans. And, uh, and yeah. So life brings you in weird places, but uh, in the end, it turned out really, really good. It's a beautiful facility, nice country club. We have a great golf course, and uh, a, um, it's, it's, it's fun running it there. I, I really enjoy it. Great. And uh, you also have a famous stand-up comedian from Covington, Louisiana, Theo Vaughn. Do you know about him? Or? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I don't know him personally, but a lot of my uh, friends know him, and uh, yeah, I follow him as well. And uh, yeah, he's he's funny. He's a good, he's funny guy. <laughs> yeah, he has always has very interesting stories from Covington. Growing up in Louisiana, in the in the poor areas, I would say that's usually how he describes it. Yeah, so you you played in Germany. You played as try to you know become a pro. I guess you were a pro for for quite a while. That's right. You know, like you know, you know other guys. You know, um, uh, on the, in the online business. You know, like intuitive Mr. Intuitive Tennis. You know, um, Nicola. He's he played in Germany. You know, and then other guys. Uh, so that's right. Yeah, played like Regionalliga. It's a decent level. You know, number one and two. So I had a lot of friends. Um, you know, who went pro, and I tried. Let's say a year, year and a half, but. Um, you know, I wish I would have had a coach who told me just focus on doubles, find a guy that's six six, you know, that has good hands, and you know, just try ten years. You know, I think that would have been the route for me to go because physically that was the biggest difference. When I went to a tournament, you say in, in Croatia, we had the satellites at that time. You know, that was around two thousand. That's how I met my friend Diego Moyano, who's coaching, uh, who was coaching Coco Golf. He played in the same tournament there. I remember we connected afterwards and. Uh, I played pre-qualifying with the 128 draw 
and then I went into qualifying, you know, another 128 draws, it's the first clay court tournament season in, in, in March, you know, in Croatia. So they're crazy to get a point, you know, and then, um, you know, you play guys who don't even sweat the play, you lose two and two, you think you play good. So um, people underestimate, you know, like it's, it's you have to be unbelievably, unbelievably physically fit and, and other than that, you know, no chance to, to do something, you know, and even with the right coaches the right mentality uh, maybe i would have been 900 800 max but that's it you know i i know my limits and i i saw those guys and i respect every single player that's battling there you know and the challengers and the futures and barely make money and um they're they're fighting their ways through uh you know you know like i know like there's so many out there i hope the prize money thing is going to change one day you know because i feel yeah i could talk years about the prize money you know yeah, I think that is the biggest problem because it seems like otherwise you act, at least have some incentive. You ha you can, mm -hmm. you know, eat the right food, get a proper coach, get strength yeah. and conditioning. But if you have to live very spartanly and then also play professional sports, it's a very difficult combination to have. So you need those kind of sponsor or rich parents or something to yes. to help you do the right things while being a pro and going for to win prize money because the all the all the way up to top hundred, it's not so nice <laughs> with the prices. Yes. No, it's it's tough. I remember, look, I, even that, like, six, eight months I played, I shared a room with f four or five guys. I slept on the floor, you know. I was happy I saved 20, 20 euros, you know. So that's, you know, people forget about it. So I, 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 f I feel like, you know, the countries that have a lot of futures and challengers do a great job. They're going to have it a little bit easier to give wild cards to players. And I feel like, you know, if I would have been given like 10 wild cards and 10 futures, I would have won one round and won and I had a, you know, like, but it's, it's over. I like to give my knowledge to, to the, to the kids. I enjoy that actually more and, uh, and it's fun to coach. I love it. Yeah. I think you need to be really passionate and also you built up a strong following. I don't think you do that if you're not very passionate about coaching uh, getting back to your roots a bit, like Croatia yeah. is a strong tennis nation. Like mm -hmm. you have, you know, Pavic, Mektic, uh, Ancic was good, uh, Silic, obviously. And uh, so there's many good players. Like, is there a strong tennis culture there for many, many years? Or where does it come from, kind of, that you bring out good player after good player? Yeah, you know, you know, when you grow up, like, Croatia is still not a rich country. It's like, you know, I, don't, I will not say poor, but like, you know, the, the kids, there are certain areas where, you know, you, you don't have a lot of things and you have to fight for, for things and... Uh, um, yeah, they know where they come from, you know, you hear the stories with Novak training in the pool and Janko Tipsarovic, you know, and uh, all those things. And um, I think you just build a certain mentality when you don't have everything. So you have to work for it. So if I compare that a little bit, we have great American players and it's fun to watch now. But still, when you look uh, in, in the clubs, they're very, they, they live, the kids are in a bubble. You know, the parents try to protect them as much as they can. And you heard that before, and um, I feel like it's hard to develop that that pit bull mentality on the on the court, you know. And uh, it's possible, obviously, there are a lot of great kids, but I think it's a little bit easier. And then in Croatia too, you know, there's nothing else. You have only sports, you know. You can't make any. They, that's like a kind of escape, you know. And I always say to the people, not just in tennis. You know, when the you know I'm a different generation. I'm uh, I am friends. You know, I don't my like I, all my friends are Serbian, Bosnian. We all my generation. So me personally, I I I don't. You know, the older generation always looks at the war and they have a different feeling about it. But like I'm, 
I love all my friends from Serbia and I have so many, like, you know, we, we were just one country, you know, like, and I feel like hopefully the new generations, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good that, uh, that we work together and we do. And, uh, you know, look, look, just imagine in tennis, we would have had Djokovic, we would have uh, Cilic and soccer, all, Modric and all the Serbian players. Look at the basketball, we would have Doncic and Jokic and everyone playing in one team. I mean, the nation... Uh, you know, Serbia does an unbelievable job. Montenegro, Slovenia—they, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all. You know, like they want to get out there, and I think the values are still the right way. And uh, things changing too now. Times get different, but it's a total sports nation. Everything with the that has a ball, you know, that's what they play there. You know, that's true, and I think the mentality is important because if you sometimes grow up in a in a pretty wealthy environment and you have like everything you need, you don't build that fighter instinct and I think you see that even in Novak as you said but also other players that they they know how to to get it done and they know that they have to have that mentality to win the matches because I mean tennis is it's like UFC with a with a ball right so it's quite a tough sport um, to compete in when it comes to um, I mean American tennis you alluded to but how's the tennis vibe where you coach like in over there is it like tennis still going strong or is like pickleball becoming quite a factor yeah pickleball is becoming everywhere <laughs> big but uh, no, tennis is very strong still, you know, it's a different, you know, like in Sweden, I have so many Swedish friends and, you know, like, and Pern, like Pernfors is a friend of mine, he lives here in Atlanta, like I think he's in Atlanta area. It's big here, you know, it's just different because we have tennis clubs in Europe where, you know, you go there and you can hang out the whole day and play and it's like, it's still different and the league structure is very strong in Germany, France. Switzerland, Italy, you can, um, the, the leagues are very competitive, so we don't have the, you know, we have the recreational leagues here, which is full, so, you know, we have a lot of, like, ladies and guys playing, which is great, but, like, on the competitive side, there's a lot of tournaments, but to be really good, it's not easy, because you have to belong to a club, either a private club, where you pay, like, $200 monthly membership, and then for every lesson, or you're in a country club, and when I grew up, we had those uh, in Germany. We have like you know, like the I was growing up in Berlin, so the federation gives you guy gave me three times a week training, and then in my club because they want you to play later. That was a regionalliga. You know, I looked up to all the guys, and then my club was Rudy Molliker. You probably heard of him. He grew up. He so he looked at me when I was playing at the beginning, <laughs> when he was like five, six, not later. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. So, up and he wanted to play you know and so the same I looked up to the guy so the structure is if you're gonna play one day in the first team they pay the training uh, my dad didn't have to to pay anything you know that was the club took took care of it. and then I like that structure because then you kind of um, bound with the club and uh, it, it's competitive it's very good yeah I think so I think the, what I see like I'm in, in Marbella in Spain usually and it's um, they have a lot of tennis academies and facilities but they don't have a club a strong club atmosphere mm -hmm. like there are no team tournaments no team competitions and i miss that a bit because if in sweden in germany i mean sweden is a smaller country so but there's still like a strong commitment to the club like you're playing in the league and yeah. you're trying to go up a division or not go down a division yeah. germany obviously they pay a lot for players to come from mm -hmm. all different countries to play for their teams france italy also very strong uh, in yeah. country compet like so i think the club is important that club vehicle that's that's how i feel about it and yeah. uh, in the U.S., you don't have much of a team competitions for the clubs, do you, or no? Only in the adult area. There you have a lot, and that's way more than in Germany. Like, in the adult sector, 
you you have hundreds of teams like it's full they play like USTA leagues and all that so the you know United States Tennis Association leagues and they are full but for the kids it's a little bit different so you have to go a little bit different you know route and not so many leagues no no okay uh, for you when you coach do you find it most interesting to coach like complete beginners kids or um, like do you like working with more competitive players who want to go like pro or play like high level junior tennis i mean so ideally i like to mix it up because i like to have it always fresh so i like to have the last nine years i had a kid his name is brody he uh you know i had him since he's nine and then i had him every day and he's going to college now to belmont abbey here and then uh, you got a you know good deal there is a great college so i had him for nine years so that was kind of my you know he's leaving in two weeks so now i found the next one who's going to take his spot so i always try to have one or two kids i really give my soul and heart to i give that to all the kids but those you know who come five days a week you know you 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 just naturally develop a little bit different um work relationship and everything you know so and then i like to teach everything beginners uh, guys ladies we have everything i have everything a little bit in there because i feel like then you then you don't get stale and you know you always get different different levels and uh, and that's fun you know so in the mornings more like ladies and guys adults and then in the evenings it's more like the juniors and then the high performance kids so everything a little bit how does your body uh you know work with being so much on the court like how many injuries yeah. do you have to nurture all the time yeah so it's it's not easy you know i'm 40 40 41 so it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> like me yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's going it's starting but um yeah it's not all hitting in sessions you know it's a lot of technique so it's it's doable and um yeah i try i try to stretch a lot if i can and um you know and i have found some cool devices over the years, you know, like uh, in like the red light therapy, finding helping me, you know, and then like some massage stuff, massage guns. It's not easy, but but it's doable. I don't want to do it until I'm 80, but uh, you know, like the amount of hours. But you know, if I slowly decrease the hours, you know, and if I'm 50, maybe like 25, and then just keeping it lower a little bit, I think that will work fine. Would you ever want to go like on tour? For example, you you coached Brody for such a long time. Yeah. Then you have to kind of, it must be emotional for you to say farewell and be like, okay, you yeah. know, now you're ready for the big leagues in college and then who knows what's going to happen yeah. after that. Uh, must be tough. Like, would you ever like to go with him for a pro career or something? Would that have been a dream? Depends how he develops, you know, like, and then, I mean, everything, I, I, I leave those things open. But, um, you know, to be honest, the travel is like, it's just, I don't know if I could do and would want to do it. I'm a family, a very family strong orientated person. I have a seven year old who loves tennis. He plays every single day, a couple of hours. He loves it. So I could imagine obviously when he's, you know, if he's at that point someday that, uh, that I would do that with him. But uh, I'm, I never say no, or, you know, I, I don't know if the right offer comes, if the right person comes. Yeah, I, I would, I would might might try it. Do you? I talked to this about this with Ian Westerman from Essential Tennis. He he was very much against like a player, a parent player coaching relationship. He thought thinks it often leads to a lot of frustration and maybe bad feelings between the parent and the child. Would you ever, you know, do you have the same opinion or you're feeling like different around that? Because if you're feel, coaching, for example, your own son, you know. Yeah, I feel I feel different, and I tell you why because. 
I've seen so many relationships, I agree with him, I've seen so many relationships, fistfights between parents and kids, I've seen it all, you know, but having seen it all, I don't want to be like that with my kid. So as of now, I think I'm, I'm going in the right direction. Look, I've seen too much in my life and life's too short that like, I just want anything that makes my son happy. So I'm never going to be one of those coaches or parents that's going to push him. If he doesn't want to play anymore, I'm going to make him play once a week. So, you know, he might have to enjoy it in, in the year, a couple of years when he, when he comes back. But uh, I feel like if you're able to to get you put your emotions aside, I know it's tough and uh, it's hard for me, you know, like as well. When he started to play already matches, you know, my wife watches. But there's always ways to make it happen. But like coaching and teaching him, I, as I said, I've seen so much that I know exactly what what I can do and what not. You know, sometimes, you know, I, for him, for example, even if the intention span is like five minutes, then I told him, let's work five minutes on things and the rest I'll just let him have fun, you know, and like and later on it can work and I believe it can work if you have the if you have the right mindset and if you can separate the, the feelings, you know, a little bit at least and I, I believe it can work. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of examples of that as well. I think it's it's just a you know what a, a balance you need to keep when you are doing it. You know, if you're aware of it, it's much easier. You know. So one thing I wanted to say, I agree with Ian. When you, when they get older, right, and there's a coach, I will not hesitating to let go, right. I'm not stupid, so there you know like there are people that have so much knowledge, so I would never hold hold him back. Like for example in coaching or in a fitness too, you know, like I have a master degree in sports science, but that doesn't make me a good fitness coach. So that those jobs are for the other people, you know, and if there's a great tennis coach he gets along with, then he can, he, he will be able to do that. But I think, you know, the junior years until then, that's doable for sure. Yeah, you've seen some examples uh, of players still traveling with their parents. Like there's maybe more on the WTA tour, but you have Zitzbass with his parents, for example, mm -hmm. do you think that you need to have extra influences or you think that can work in certain instances, for example? Yeah, but like with, you know, with even with them, like I, I think at that point you have to let go. Like, you know, as a, as a parent, if you see like Tsitsipas, great, everything, but at some point I feel everyone is different, you know, and the player might be different. You might say, I need my dad there, right? So that's okay. And it's, it's okay then. But I think... Uh, if you get the right person around with the right experience, um, they can always teach you something something different that your you know father couldn't, and that might be the difference, and or might not, but at least you should give it a try. Makes perfect sense. I think what we've seen with with the best players in the world is that they're always able to to understand when they need to bring a new influence. Like for example, like Novak, he works. Okay, I need to work on my serve. He brings a coach in. I need to yeah. work on this. He brings Agassi. Uh, yeah. Federer, he brought in Jubicic at the right time. He's also tried yeah. different coaches. Rafa, even with Moya, even though he was with Tony for, for such a long time. So it seems like mm -hmm. if you have the smarts for it, you're able to understand, I am lacking in this segment. I need to work with someone else to get this part of yes. my tennis. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. Yeah, it seems to be that, that sense. And uh, But it's interesting with coaching. And what, what I've seen your videos on Instagram. Uh, everyone listening, you should definitely follow Tennis House there. Uh, great and and quick and you know easy to understand tips and also your t technique is silky smooth when you hit the ball so that that also looks good and I think people like to watch that. Uh, what's your strength? Do you think as a coach is like is that the technical aspect or mental aspect or or what do you try to get through? 
So for me personally, it's always hard to judge yourself, but I think one thing mm, through my um, academical career, like, you know, I have a master's degree in sports science and there's a lot of didactic and pedagogic in there and how, do, how you have to, you know, I was supposed to be a teacher in Germany in school, that's what I studied for and you learn a lot about classroom management, how to manage a lot of kids, how, you know, how those approaches work and I feel like I have a good understanding technically, you know, you don't have to tell a kid when you teach kids, for example, oh, yeah, when you serve, you pronate and long axis shoulder pronation. They're like eight, nine. I don't need to say that. So I feel like if you can make something that's like sounds so complicated and you can bring it into easy pictures for the for the students and you have many draws you can pull from because every kid is different. I think then I think that's one of the things I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I'm not doing bad. Let's put it this way, because I don't want to talk about myself. But I think I and then the other thing is what's very important as, as a coach, what I saw over the years, you know, I'm probably not going to obviously um, bring out the Roger Federer. And you understand that, you know, it's 26 years of coaching. Now, the biggest success for me as a coach is if you get a kid and you change their lives in a, in a good sense. You know, like I had students who were insecure, who were maybe, you know, like um, were bullied, you know, maybe had some too much weight, all those things. And then when you see them, that's so satisfying when they go and they're like 18 and go off either to college or they're, they're, they look great, they have confidence, you know. Those are the things that's 100 times more important than any, any trophies or medals, you know. I saw that quickly in my teaching career. I tried to develop a kid that fits in into society and contributes good to society with well-mannered, good values. And if I do that, I'm already happy. And obviously, they have to be able to play a little bit tennis. Otherwise, I didn't do my job. But like that's the most important, you know. So definitely saw that early on in my career. And being a father yourself, and do you think there is an issue in you know currently, but also maybe in the future with the use of I mean mobile AI, social media, everything you want, and not being out enough doing sports? Because when I grew up and we're the same age, like you know you were free in your mind. Yeah a lot to, to do whatever you wanted. You just would bike out or walk out and you meet friends and you play football or tennis or whatever. Uh, these days it seems, you know, more difficult. And as you mentioned in the, in the preamble here is that it's, you know, uh, tennis or any sport can really save a kid or, or make them feel so much better about themselves. It's such an important part of, 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 you know, raising someone. No, definitely. The, I think uh, being in 2030, almost soon, right? So it's we're we're very far ahead, and the electronics are a big part of our life. So I believe that, like, obviously, the electronics not going to go away. So I'm a coach. Look, I grew up differently when I uh, we didn't have cell phones, and you know, like you. So, but I try to not be too stern. For example, when we have a training session, some coach is going to tell you you cannot look at the phone at all, right? I try to keep it, but sometimes, you know, you have to see what kit you have. They're not all professional players, what we teach, right? And you always have to see what you have there. Sometimes the kid just wants to come out and just sit and talk to you. So you have to see. But in general, I feel always you have to go with the time, but keep good values. And I feel like if the kids go out and play two, three hours of tennis, you know, and then they play at home two, three hours of PlayStation or do online stuff, I think that's fine. The problem happens if they're just home on the on the shooting games or whatever they play right uh, in front of the PlayStation or Xbox 
and don't do anything else. I, f I feel like if the parents can get the kids to go two, three hours out a day and do physical things because the mind and the body are connected, right? So if you don't use your body at all, your mind doesn't work right. So, um, so if they can manage to do that, I, f I feel like, you know, that's a good uh, compromise. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a well, well put. Like you also need to go with the times. You can't just pretend that it's 1970, you know, it is not possible anymore. <laughs> no, kids not anymore. And it's also a good way to connect with kids. I, I've noticed like, uh, you know, over the years that you need to stay a little bit up to date with stuff. Otherwise you, you kind of, you know, float away from each other and it's tough to connect with your own kid, you know, even because he's in a different world and you're back in 1980s or whatever. So it's, it's a classic. Totally one, you know? You're so right about that. That's so right. So spending time with uh, Martin Cilic in, in Zagreb, what did you do when, and how is he doing? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was actually not planned. So I knew Maren from my online stuff before. He was always nice. We always communicated. My dad met him a few times. Um, and then uh, I saw him training there. And then, uh, you know, just uh, connected after the session. And I asked him if I can spend a day with him on the courts. And he said, of course. Um, you know, he said just... Uh, um, he was working a little bit on a, on a, on the technique was testing out. I think it was his knee. He had problems. So he was, you know, testing out his knee. That was two weeks before Umak. And then I think he lost first round four and three, but, um, I think he's pain free. He looked good there and it was interesting to see. I mean, you know, we can't forget Marin, uh, played all major final. He won, um, the US Open. I think it was 14. He was in the final of the Australian Open, was in the final of uh, Wimbledon, and he played semis of French Open, right? So we're talking about a guy like top 25, probably, you know, like with those achievements. And uh, it was interesting to see how laser sharp focused and what exactly he knew. He was with his coach there, and um, they just hit a few balls and then we we're talking like five minutes you know and he said exactly how he feels you know i didn't have that i didn't i'm not going to post it on online but like you know he was describing what he feels and that was so cool to see it's all about the feel you know and like and uh that was one thing i took out of it that they know they know their game and like it was unbelievable just to see that and then after they talked a little bit let's say they worked on the back end after that it just was the flow was unreal you know he had like 40 back ends cross court in this this close to the line smooth you know it's, it's fun to watch him but you know besides the tennis what's for me always important is um he's just a phenomenal human being um so humble um no extra vaganza you know he's just like down to earth and that's always for me important when i work with people together if i have that feeling I'm going to work with them together. If I, there's, I, there can be anyone in the world and they think there's someone better, I'm, I'm not going to work with that person. doesn't matter what the deal for me is. And then like, Marin is just like so cool. And then the cool, the other thing is like Dino um, that played right now in Umag, that young Croatian kid that's 17 yeah. years old, uh, he was training next to Marin. So in Zagreb, what's cool about there is, that, so Zagreb has a HTK Zagreb, it's a tennis club there. And all of the guys train there from um, Chorich. They always went in Zagreb train there. So that's cool for the young guys to see like Marin training next to you. And then Dino was actually there and uh, um, we connected online after that. And he's like, I was like, was that you training there? He said, yes, I didn't talk to him, you know, but I was like, wow, that kid. I said, wow. And then Marin was watching him too. And that was really cool to see. Um, yeah, he, I think he made it to the quarters of, of Umark, you know, so uh, very feisty on court 
player. I, I like his style, so I hope to connect with him a little bit more. And then he's sending me now some videos. That's cool, you know, and uh, so I can post always. So that's that's fun. Yeah, no, I was impressed by him. I watched a lot of the Umag action. Uh, my my father is tennis obsessed, so it helps. Yeah. Uh, or, or sometimes it's, we, it's too much tennis, but that's another story. But it's like, <laughs> so I saw he was very energetic. Like usually when you see young players, it's easy to overhype them. But he mm -hmm. looked very steady for his young age, like very mentally ready to go for it, uh, yeah. quite mature as a player. And yeah. that's usually a very good sign at this age, mm -hmm. you know, because you can have a lot of shots, but then you break down mentally or you have other issues that usually would be, be a problem your whole career. You know, it's like, but if you have the maturity, I think he has a very good potential. You know, that's that's yeah. the... he, looks, he looks great. I agree with you. Very mature, very mature guy. I find it interesting also that you pointed out the practice because I've, I've been to a few Novak's practices. He's you know, here in Marbella. I, you know, we have mm -hmm. mutual friends and stuff. And when you see them practice, they can run, run into problems. Like, the, you know, for example, today my forehand, you know, I'm doing something with the grip. Something's not working. Mm -hmm. And then they're very good at, you know, just analyzing that and solving that problem relatively mm -hmm. quickly. And then suddenly every ball is dropping like millimeters within the line, you know, from, yeah, from yeah. having an issue. And it's just like... And I think what you pointed out, which I agree 100% with, is that it's a lot of it for them, it seems to be feel-based. They, they have hit so many balls, millions and millions and millions of shots, that they now instinctively know, you know, I'm not feeling the, the ball today. Like, there's something yeah. I need to adjust for the ball yeah. to be felt, you know? Yeah, true. They have to, and that, that's how it works. And then the coaches are there for that separate pair of eyes to see that. And then, you know, like, and it, it's, it's a fun experience. It's a good experience. Yeah, I think watching practice is something I can recommend if people are around tournaments or clubs where there are like high-level high pros. It's, it's really good to watch a practice, so even just for like 15 minutes or whatever. But it's like you learn quite a lot yourself. Yeah, and for the kids especially too with the intensity. You know, they think they're training hard, but, you know, they didn't see, they didn't see a, lot, a lot of times. So that's always fun for them to see. No, for sure. That that's that's a hundred percent. When you're training with with kids or intermediates, the, what you're doing at at, at your club, uh, what's kind of a common problem you see? Like, is there something that you see pop up over and over again? You know, whether it's injuries or whether it's like a technical problem that is like very common. Serve like you know, waiter position, any level. You know, even the kids they drop the racket too early and they can't, they can't hold it up here. And then when the ball starts to fall down, you know, then going and in here. So on the serve a lot and running on the forehand, running too close to the forehand, you know, or backhand doesn't matter, getting too close to the balls. And um, forehand grip on the volleys, so they can hit low volleys really good. Overhead prop, look, I could, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of things, but like, yeah, like definitely serve is the, the most, like, 98% of the of the people like have trouble with the serve because they don't understand the dynamics and the, that we have a great guy here in the US Mark Dr. Mark Kovacs who um, you know um, does an amazing job good friend of mine I learned a lot from him he has those eight stages of serve I tell everyone you know it's like it's important to 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 understand that you know like and and um, yeah but like most common things running into the ball not judging the height and the spins of the ball good and I feel like strategy a lot of players just want to play points out. They don't want to listen to strategy, you know, and tactics. And so I feel like, you know, in doubles, they could they could certainly learn more if they would listen uh, a little bit more, like with court positioning, where to hit after you hit a ball, where to close in, and all those good things. But other than that, I think they're they're having fun and they're they're all doing well. It's all good. 
Yeah, I think that's the most important part. And I think that's what we're seeing with that. We, we want more people to go to the clubs, like whether, you know, yeah. they are great players or mediocre players. What, what, what is kind of the percentage of singles and doubles you see? Do you see a lot of doubles? Like do most veterans want to play doubles, for example? That's totally different here in the US. That's, that's a cool thing for me. Just want to point that out. I love that I coached about 12 years in Germany and then I'm now coaching about 13 years in the US. So totally different. Europe is singles based still. You don't have clinics and all these things. Everybody wants to play singles, but they missing out of the joy of doubles. You know, I when I was younger, I wish I would have seen doubles. Doubles is art. If you understand the geometrics of the court and all that's part of it, you have so much fun playing doubles. There's so much. There's so much in doubles and you can learn so much and it improves the singles game, obviously coming to the net, you know, I, you know, I, I try to go, like usually, you know, guys run up to the net a lot and I feel like, you know, the one or the other girl I'm teaching, I'm, I'm insisting, obviously, when I have the girls, slice, drop shots, good hands, you know, like Ons has and, you know, a body head and coming to the net, you know, and then I just, uh, that's for me a, a big part, you know, like, coming to the net and learning learning and that's you learn that from doubles so that's why a lot of players when they play uh, satellites they play doubles as well um, not just prize money is not so much there but like you know getting the hands and coming in you know I feel it's a good practice yeah and also it's, it's becoming kind of a viable career choice if the singles career doesn't work out I mean you mentioned it in, in earlier like if that was more of an kind of obvious route for a lot of people I think they would go for it because yes you can then specialize and you know you don't have to be quite as strong as a you know singles player and you can specialize on playing in a team some players perform much better yeah. in a team and not yeah. so well on their own because the pressure of their head like i mean even nick kiros could be argued that he's playing better when he plays doubles at some point yeah definitely um, so and also um, but if you train it earlier you will get an understanding of that and that will be an option but if you don't play any doubles then it's a problem right so it's a problem yes and you can see um, the guys that play together for years, and then you have two singles players. Uh, out of ten matches, you know the doubles player is going to win eight. Let's say they're almost, you know, like so. Th that makes a big difference. You know, they know where to move. They know what the other guy is doing, and uh, but it's fun. It's fun. Doubles. I love doubles. I fell in love as soon as I moved here. I love doubles. Yeah, and also you can kind of bridge a little bit of level difference if you have like two uneven teams. You can try to. Mm -hmm mix that up a little bit and uh, I think also that's why we've seen a rise of I mean there's puddle in Europe and there's uh, pickleball in the states because yeah. it's like always doubles most of the, I mean we'll say 90% of the time in those sports yeah. right and it's a social sport and it's hanging out and it's quick to pick up right tennis takes a long time to play decent right that's that's um so yeah quick quick to pick up and you know, people always ask me like we pick up all year but I don't mind it as long as they don't take any tennis courts away for it you know if they build their own things I, I support it you know but like i have a problem when they start tearing the tennis courts down but look i would say look at the wimbledon final alcaraz against novak right that's never going to happen in pickleball that the people are watching it and that you have those those things that that was special moment of history you know like if you watch a pickleball match it's going to be a pickleball match it's not going to be novak against alcaraz or something you know but i, I feel like it's it's interesting for people who just want to pick up something quickly and just want to play after work a little bit something fun with some others so i don't mind it 
No, I, I'm the same opinion. I, I don't mind anything that doesn't really like go out and kind of cannibalize of tennis. And I also think, uh, in a way, that it becomes like an entry to tennis, right? Because like it, it's so easy. You start easy. Uh, paddle is a little bit more difficult, but it's still easier yeah. than tennis. And yeah. once you maybe are tired of that, or you maybe reach a ceiling in uh, your development or in the fun yeah. you can have, then tennis also opens the door to singles, which you don't have in those sports as commonly, you know? So it's like, it could be an entry drug <laughs> into the real drug, which is <laughs> tennis, you know? Yeah, no, agreed, yeah, yeah. And I had uh, actually something interesting. I had a, a, a lady the other day who never played tennis before. She started with a pickleball. So I'm gonna make a video on YouTube about that, what I saw, you know, like in the technique. And that was quite interesting, you know, like when they, for example, she came, there was no follow through, you know, she stopped every time here. You know, I, I, and I never thought about if someone comes and starts with pickleball, how it's gonna look like when they play tennis. So that was actually a great experience. So that's gonna be one of my next videos uh, on YouTube. Yeah, I think that's a very good video, uh, and, and it's also a common, like a problem that's going to be somewhat common probably, and mm -hmm. it's not tackled as far as I've seen. When it comes to working with like content production and, and being like mm -hmm. a content creator, um, mm -hmm. what what are some of the the like big benefits you've learned from that, or like the you know some issues you've also encountered on your journey because you've you've been doing this for a while now. Yes, I started two thousand sixteen. Whew, that's a long one. So, I, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to have do something where I can give back to the tennis world, and I, want, I always want to reach a bigger scale. I'm not happy if I do something little. Uh, just my mindset. I want to do something big always. So I was like, what can I do? And then I started a Facebook group on 2016. Instagram wasn't booming as much as it's now, obviously, and all the stuff we have. And I, I invited tennis coaches I knew personally, and I started to put my coaching in there. So um, I had like I started off with 100 coaches I invited, and then it just grew. And only tennis coaches. So if someone requested someone, I looked if that's a tennis coach. It took a lot of time, and the group just grew. And the cool thing what I, at that time was, you know, sometimes post someone posted something. Hey, my hard courts have a crack. Who can I call to fix it? And that was kind of, I was like, wow, there were like 12 different phone numbers and suggestions within 10 minutes. I was like, well, I can use that group, you know, to help people. So I uh, had so many coaches at the beginning when I was really involved in that group, you know, like I, I need accommodation or something for my play, plays a future. And then coaches that didn't see each other in years connected and it was crazy what you can do with that. So that was my idea to give back. And the group was great. And then Facebook I think it was 2018-ish, 19, you know, you invited five friends, they started to block you because you're a robot. So Facebook, um, you know, was like really going down at that time. And I was like, you know what, I have to do uh, something else. I didn't tap into the YouTube market yet because I uh, I don't know. I just, you know, for me, it's a hard time. You know, YouTube, I feel like sometimes you have uh, coaches that could explain the thing and in, uh, in 10 seconds, but they speak two hours about it because obviously, but look, I understand that they have to because the algorithm and the, and the, the minutes watched and everything. That's why I started on Instagram, those videos where I go like no and yes, and you know, like, and you know, don't do this. And I try not to talk, you know, so because I feel like sometimes it's more powerful if you don't talk and show something that people watch it. And the feedback was really good. You know, some Spanish people call me like, uh, the hombre mudo, you know, that the, the mute man, you know, like, so 
but uh, you know, I liked it. And then sometimes I feel like doing videos where I talk. It depends, you know. And then so I moved basically from that Facebook group. It took me a long time to build it up. To I still have it and overview it once, twice a week, but it's nothing anymore. Like now, it's like Instagram fully, and I don't know. It just started to take off. Uh, I'm at almost at 265,000 followers now. That's you know, it's uh, um, it's fun. And what I try to do then on Instagram is. I tried to be like, a, I call it a hybrid account at the beginning. I sat down a couple of weeks and I looked through every tennis account that was online. That took me like a long time, hundreds and hundreds of accounts. And uh, I feel like I picked, you know, my favorites, what I thought is great coaching. And I can say, you know, I like Joel Myers, I like, you know, like he's doing a great job. Uh, what is it, Stocky, st st like tennis, like they're guys who are really... Uh, Mike and Babel is great, so they're they're coaches that are really good, and I'm going to share their content. You know, so I was like, I asked everyone for permission. They give me permission, and then I was like, at the beginning, you know, I was sharing probably 80% of other people's content, and I put 20 on. And then the bonus came with real bonus, right? So you know, when it's getting into the money, or when you get a little bit there, uh, it was all my stuff, so I didn't share anything with the bonus. Or when I shared, I didn't put the bonus on because it's not my video. So you know, so I started to shoot like hundreds of videos. So you know, and then now it's like a mixture. You know, like I have a guy from Croatia, Timote, that that does those amazing Croatian picture videos. And uh, I'm with Alcaraz Box. I have uh, his his uh, doctor and the physio. Um, they allow me to share things. So so I try to share what I feel is very good and important. And you know now it's probably like 50, 60, 40, 60 percent my stuff, 40 percent other people's stuff. Because I feel always if you share and if you work with others together, you achieve more. If you think you're the best and you you do your thing, it's great. You you know we're all different, but I believe that the pot is very big and as more exposure the good guys get you know as as better for the tennis world you know so that's why i don't mind sharing i don't have to be the best coach in the world and i'm not there are many guys out there that are great and better but i like to learn from all of them and that's that's my philosophy you know sharing is caring and uh you you will always be on the upper end if you if you share that's just the way it is no, I agree. I think that's also a, more of a community mindset, which I think exists pretty well in tennis is that, yeah. you know, the whole idea with the podcast is also to kind of highlight people that I like and respect and want to talk to because I'm interested in them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really about me. It's about like other people. So I think that's that's a good um, philosophy. And I think more people should try to take that philosophy. It's good to be yeah. like spreading, spreading what you think is good, whatever it is, you know, and, yes. and, uh, and not be so, too self self-obsessed i think generally in this society can be hard but it's a it's a good philosophy <laughs> to have <laughs> that's true <laughs> so your your um workload like okay you have content going on you're doing mm. 25 30 hours a week or more and you are also director of tennis what what does that entail besides the tennis house event court maintenance managing my tennis pros all that the cut so i cut and do all my videos uh i know you did with uh Nicola, the, the podcast, with yeah. he's, it's hard for us to give that to someone because they can't recreate it the way we want it. That's the problem about it. You know, I wouldn't mind if someone has uh, my ideas and everything. So, yeah, but I, so you pick, so for me, I picked one software I'm working with, you know, on the phone. It's an app. 
and since seven years I can cut a video just in a couple of seconds you know like I just do it blind and so what I try to do is obviously we only have 24 hours a day and, and I'm happy about it because then if it will be more I would get more done but I would die probably sooner but um, no but with the cutting and everything when my son goes to sleep at night and my wife you know I'm, I'm usually awake till one so I do everything from 10 to 1 in the evenings and I still work yeah because I for me, it's a, we have one life, and I love what I'm doing, and I know it's going to get me. It opened me already many doors, and it will open me even more doors. So I don't – sometimes I watch a movie or something to cool down, but, like, most of the times I feel like everything is a waste of time for me. That's how my mindset works. I need to create content. I need to cut. I need to have new ideas. I look at the best people and look what they do, and then I try. You know, and I'm not ashamed of, like, you know, look, for example – the tennis mentor I loved I loved it I love his things with the iPad you know to have the to do the stuff on you so I got you know I asked him nicely and you know I got a pen and I do it now too a little bit different because he has his hands there I do it from screen recording so I try to put my own touch on and he said too you know I appreciate you were asking me and I like what you do you know it's like I said it's a you, know, you learn you learn from the guys that do a great job and uh, and yeah so it's it's very time consuming but if you don't have passion for it, it wouldn't be possible for sure. But that's, I love that, you know, because family is the most important, but that's my second, second most important thing. And I just love, love doing it. Now I try to uh, conquer the YouTube market. No, it's not going to conquer. No, but like, I, I think this is the toughest platform, YouTube, if you did not start eight, nine years ago. That's sometimes I wish I would have started 2012, 13 you know, you have all those guys in there that started early um, because the long content is is not easy, right? So you, if you, and I feel like the algorithm, obviously, when you started early and you have your followers, they always put, you know, top tennis uh, coaching on there. You know, Nicolas on there, two minute tennis is on there. You know, like um, all those guys, they the algorithm puts it up, so it's hard to break through. But I feel like, you know. The thumbnail and all those things got easier now. I, I feel like I got this and now my videos, you know, it's, it's I always tell people never stop. You know, like five months ago, I had 100 views on every video. I couldn't get more. But now I'm at 1,500 per video on average. So I know in two years I'm going to be at 50. You know, like they have to understand you, ha you cannot stop one single day. And that's the hardest part about when you ask me like the online stuff every single day. There's no stop. If you stop, and then all oh, 98% of the people stop because they don't see success, but you need to do it every single day. And that one day, like what happened with Instagram, oh, I had 1,000 followers a day for like two months. I was like, gaining, you know, I was like, whoa, what's happening? And that's fun to see then, and that's your, you know, what you're working for, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we all share that passion. It's the same with Ashley from that I know from Tennis Mentor as well. Yeah, and, is, yeah. and a lot of people I'm talking to is that, they're all very passionate. They want to do it, but it's it comes from some kind of like giving back. But it's also fun yeah. to to obviously grow and have better reach. But yeah. you need to conquer the algorithm, and you need to be at it every day. I, I don't take days off either because it's impossible. Like you, you can't just sit and do nothing because I know I have editing. I know I have, you know, I'm on, on court almost every day as well. So it's like uh, you know, it's, you keep grinding. That's the only way to do it. There's no other, no shortcut the only, really. The only way in the online world you have to do it. It's like a second marriage, basically. You know. 
Yeah, yeah, and it can be tough for, for families and stuff like that. But if you, yeah, you're finding your time in the nighttime after yeah. tennis is done and stuff, yeah. I think it, it can work pretty well, right? But and even with the shooting video, sorry, I interrupted. I just want to tell if someone watches that want to do that too. I shoot my videos on Sunday. So, like, I try to go three hours out there, and that's content for like a week for me, or maybe sometimes longer, you know. So, I tell people always too sometimes if I feel like and it's not hot out there, I shoot six hours. That's a month. You know, you, I just have to, you have to see your workload, how you do it, and you have to manage your, your portions, you know. So for me, that's important. I go on a Sunday out, six hours when it's not hot, that's one month of content, you know. Do you script it out before carefully? Like, do you have to write down all your ideas or do you do a lot of, like, inspirational stuff when you're on the court? Like, you come up with ideas. How, how do your, like, ideation process work? So, so what I do usually is... Um, when I'm teaching and I see something my students do, some of the students I'm in the videos, but some not, I write immediately down what I saw, you know, so that gives me good ideas about the videos. Then I watch the best in the world, you know, so I'm watching what they're doing, so I'm always on there at night, and then I try to shoot some videos like that, and then scripting it out, like, word by word, uh, not there yet. If I want to do something in the in the uh, near future, future about... Um, going into details like more like scientifically so I will have to write it down and I have to have this teleprompter in front of me where I, I re read off it so I have to write everything down like if it's sports science things you know how the mechanics work on the shoulder you know so I can't get that out of memory and then it's funny too what people don't see when we do that and we do videos and we don't script sometimes I shoot the same video they know you know like for like 10 minutes and and I'm almost done and perfect, and then I mess one word up, and I have to do it again, you know, like so people don't see that part, but uh, it's 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 fun, yeah. Yeah, it's a part of the grind. Like it's not easy to do everything in one take, you know, and you need to do yeah. some editing, and it's it's like you know, and sometimes it's tough to be satisfied. Or you're a perfectionist with the stuff mm -hmm. you're working on, or are you like e easier on yourself? True. I'm like I'm 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 to a certain degree perfectionist. Because I learn too, if you're too much perfectionist, you suffer from that, I feel like. So, so I let sometimes go because in the end of the day, like for example now on, on YouTube, you know, I'm, I'm at 30,000 subscribers almost now, you know, so now, now I'm getting there and I feel like the content itself, I don't, even if I make the best video in the world right now and you're like, oh my God, did you see the voice video? You need to see it. Even then, I'll only have two, 3,000 views. You know, like, because I know it's the quantity and the, the, the quality has to be good. But if it's a certain standard, I'm happy with that. Because, you know, later on, if I have 100,000 subscribers, it's going to be a different story. I'm going to probably be more perfectionist again because I know I'm going to reach more people and they're going to see it. Because some of my first videos, I feel like they were, like, good. But I, re I, re I reached 25 people. So I know, you know, and on Instagram, the, the same video had 2 million views, you know, like, so... I, I know there, you know, okay, I have to let go a little bit on, 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 Facebook, on uh, YouTube. But yeah, with your, with your pretty large Instagram following, at least you can also direct people over to YouTube because I think the like, attraction of tennis content, meaning like coaching especially, is, is quite strong. So people yeah. always want to improve. Uh, do you think there, I mean, discussed this a lot with Nikola Aracic, who I, I talk to sometimes on the Instagram as well, is that um, like content go ebbs and flows like sometimes there you have the maybe you've seen like tennis brothers for example he does the road yeah. to the atp yeah. point it's more mm -hmm. competitive content but it seems to be that 
you know, people always want to improve. They always want like the easiest tip to improve. Is that something you notice as well? Like people just want to take the, the like shortcut to <laughs> becoming better at tennis. Yes, and that's what people don't understand. It's it's the reps and and the time you put in. That's the most important. There is no shortcut. So even with the best technical video you see, you will have to do it hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times to, to get that in. And people always want to take a shortcut. That's a human nature, right? If you can get somewhere quicker without doing the hard work, they're going to do it. But in tennis, you know, you need, you need the repetitions and you need, to, you need to do it. The same thing when I have my kids serving, you know, you can't just serve 10 serves a day. If you, that's, that's the same thing. The video Kobe Bryant had, you know, like I, I love this video, you know, like where he said, look, it's simple. How, you know, if you wake up at four in the morning, you work two hours. So you work out two hours, you have two hours in already and they have a little rest. You do another two hours from nine to 11 and then you go out again from two to four. And if you want to, you go again from six to eight. So you have eight hours of training, right? So if you have that mindset, you have eight hours more. And you do that every single day for 10 years. You have thousands of hours more than other people. And that's just the way it is in the end, you know. Like, and you have to obviously do it technically correct and all those things. But you put the hours in, you will, you will be better to a certain degree. That's just the way it is. Yeah, it's the easy, easy math, right? Like 10,000 hours. There's some books about that, like how much yep. it, it kind of compounds also. True. Yeah, and, and especially the serve. Like people have no real excuse if they want to go out and practice the serve, and uh, you know you can you can watch a video. You can even bring your phone with you. And something I say, and I, I think you know probably you re you relate to this. Like, do you also tell people to to record themselves so yes. you, they oh, actually have some video evidence? Always, yes. And then uh, I show them the apps you can use to compare yourself with your favorite players. And there's always dangerous as well because you know I always tell people when you compare yourself to Novak. Nova can do things with his body differently than, nine, than any other person, right? So you can't. Sometimes when he, you know, he coils, he's so flexible. So a regular person that's re that plays once a week, you know, they might just be able to turn a little bit, right, in the upper body because they had surgery or whatever it is. They're limited. So you can't do th certain things. You have to always reassess who you have in front of you. That's why I always tell people in my videos too. Like when you have and compare yourself, it's good to have a guideline, but your body is totally different than what you see over there, you know, and their technique is totally, you know, there's certain main things in a technique you have to, you can copy, right? And then the rest is individual. Like on the forehand, the take back is, is individual. You just have to make sure you're right at contact point when you play on a fast surface, that you're not late if you have a big take back. And then the follow through is individually differently. Some people end here. Some people, not. Rafa hits himself here all the time. Some people end low. But the main action of the shot is from that contact point going up into the follow through. That looks with every person the same. And then the grip determines a little bit the degree of it. But that's one thing that has to be correct and has to be the same. All the other thing is playroom, right? So if I have some, someone that comes from clay and goes like this, and they go play a fast play on hard court and they're always late, you know, you have to shorten the backswing, you know? So like, so that's, that's important for sure. Do you um, usually, I mean, I struggle like if I coach, for example, my father or mother, we're hitting around because uh, they're getting into tennis more and more um, to mm -hmm. give them just fewer, few, like fewer advice. Like I get overload, right? I give mm -hmm. maybe, I think of, I'm not a trained coach. Like I give maybe five, six tips to like, you know, bend your yeah. knees, do this. And then obviously you learn the process. Uh, is that something you think about? Like that's easy to give too much, like how to connect yeah, with you? Yeah, definitely. And we, we, all, we all have done that, right? But 
with the years, you just learn, like, I try to find the, the main root of, of the problem, you know, like, for example, like on the surf, you know, if someone goes in here too early, then I I'm not correcting the foot position, you know, like, you need to correct this first, that they stay up there long and understand, you know, when they toss the ball up, that, you know, some people, you know, when they serve, they toss up and chase the ball immediately while the ball goes up, they try to hit it too, you know, like those, those little things, if you have to fix the, the, the main thing, and then it's like a puzzle, you know, but I try to pick always when I see something, what I think is most important in the kinetic chain of the shot, I, I feel like I try to always pick the, the root of the mistake, and then I go and, and put it together. Yeah, I think that's the, the right way to do it. When it comes to gear, I mean, like, I've been doing a lot of gear reviews, that's kind of my, my main... I love, uh... yeah, no, I love that, by the way. I love, uh, you know, I... So just to hold your thought, like I just, you know, before I knew your your account exists and I saw it sometimes, but then I, I don't know where I saw I saw you with Nicola on the, because Nicola and I, you know, we're both Croatians and and I was like, man, that's fun. Nicola is amazing. And then you two had such a great talk. I was like, that's when I started to follow you and a friend requested you. And then I watched a few episodes. I, lo I love the gear stuff and I want to do that's something too. I want to improve as well, so I'm going to, I'm trying to start start doing some more gear things too, you know, because that's going to open more doors with other businesses. So you can't make yourself and shrink yourself into teaching. You need to expand, you know. So I'm going to learn a lot from your videos, for example. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. But do you feel like sometimes, like I can get tired of that? So I, I like doing the podcast, or I, I'm doing, you know, traveling to tournaments and and doing the kind of journalistic stuff that I was trained as, as in university, but. Mm -hmm. Do you um, sometimes find that people try to find the solution in the racket? Like, do you get a lot of questions about gear when you're coaching, for example? Yes, they try. They always ask you, oh, I need a racket. They, they want, ideally, they want the racket to play itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're hoping probably too. you know, hopefully technology. That, uh, you know, I, I keep it basic. When, when we talk about rackets, I try to explain them the basic things. And I feel like, you know, I listen to many podcasts from good people. If the, if the beam is thicker, you have more power, right? If the beam is thinner, you have more control, right? And you go to strings. If you string lower, you know, you can hit the ball faster. If you string a little bit tighter, you're probably going to have more control. Your swing speed is the most important. You know, it's not the, it's not the force. It's the, the racket speed you create, right? It's like, what is it? M is like V times, you know, whatever. So it's the, it's the speed you accelerate. That's why you can see kids hitting so fast. Because some kids have it where they can excel, they can look like a stick, but they can accelerate the record fast. And then basic things with the record weight, I try to tell them, you know, obviously when, you know, if the record is too, too light, you use too much of the arm, right? That has to do something for you as well. And then you have to see if you have like, you know, girls or boys and all the weight stuff. But I keep it basic and I try for them to make them understand it's not, it's not the record. What I do though is... You know, I know that the Babula racket is, you know, I, I recommend that, like the Pure Drive, for example, those things more for girls, and the guys more like, you know, like the, the other stuff, like the, I don't know what it's called, the, the Alcaraz racket, you know, like... Yeah, the, the 98, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, if you have a head racket, I've been with head for many years now, uh, you know, like the, the Radical is great, you know, and like, and I played the racket when I was younger, but the Prestige, for example, I wouldn't give a Prestige Classic or a Prestige to to a 13 year old girl, you know, so those things I try to tell them. And uh, yeah, I like, I like doing, I like what I'm going to watch so many of your videos as well to, I'm uh, not because learning it's, it's important to me. You had great guys on the podcast and, 
I know, I know Fabio for Fabio helped me at the beginning. And then he saw I'm getting bigger and no, no, I'm just kidding. No, but Fabio is a great guy. You know, Fabio helped me a lot and he does great podcasts. And, uh, so there's a lot of things to learn about gear, you know, like, so I think that's, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's an interesting topic because, like, um, you know, I, I've done it for so long as I, I almost get tired of it. Then it's fun, like, when you, I sometimes have pros asking me if I'm an ATP event, like, you know, can I ask you questions? Can we go for dinner and stuff like that? And, mm -hmm. and that's fun because that's, you know, changing grams or changing tension with something or, a, you know, opening up the string pattern, asking Wilson to fix the string pattern or whatever. But mm -hmm. then for the recreational player, a lot of that, that stuff I get is that people get too obsessed with it. So it's also like a double-edged sword where you feel like, you know, like you said, the basics are the most important part. Find something that you're happy with and, yeah. you know, don't string it too tight usually because that can lead to a little bit of elbow issues. And then you mm -hmm. just play tennis and hopefully you, you put the money instead of buying all the new rackets, you, you pay for good coaching. And I think you will improve yes. as a player, right? No, I agree. I agree with that with you for sure. And then put the... And it doesn't even have to be. I always tell people too, like, you know, when you have someone who wants to get really good, you know, lessons are important. But I always tell people too, like, for example, I could teach 70 hours a week. I have this limited time, right? But I tell them, look, see me half an hour a week. You don't have to come three times. See me half an hour. Use a ball machine. Use a wall. Play matches. But the fundamentals, that are the most important. So if I have a new guy that never played or a lady... I always try in the first eight hours, I try to give them the fundamentals on every stroke. And then if they do it right, they have to go on the ball machine, play with friends. You know, I don't want to see them anymore, maybe once a week to, to maintain it. But they don't have to spend thousands of dollars because they need to learn on their own intrinsically. They have to go out there and play, you know, so. Do you think sometimes there's a reluctance to play um, competitive matches? Like people are a bit afraid to, of that kind of tension that tennis can bring if you play, especially singles. Yeah, I think definitely. Uh, like they have a lot of respect to go out there in singles and doubles as well. You know, like it's it's a league match. You know, they're getting nervous and and then what happens too? How often did you hear in your coaching? Oh, in training I play so good and then I go in a match and but I tell them because you know the only thing that works for me that I tell them is. If you have a practice match, they do that in practice matches too. They don't play their real tennis. They do it in a, in a training session. No one is going to be eating you, eating you when you try something. Or, you know, like it, it, the good players will try. And you will stay your level if you don't try. If you always get back to pushing like this, you will never be able to hit through. And you hit through maybe for two, three weeks, and then it's going to work. You're going to feel better, you know. Like, But the fear is there. And I feel like it's a social thing, the fear to lose, the fear to look bad in front of others. People always think too much about others. I learned that too, you know, like just off topic. I don't give a, I don't care what people think about. I try to be the best version of me. I try to respect everyone how I would like to be respected. And, you know, and that's it. That's all you can do. You know, if you think too much about the others, you're gonna, it's not gonna work. No, it's the, um, it's the Southern mentality. I like it. I'm the same. Like you, you can't overthink what other people think because then you can no. never control it 100% either. You know, you don't want to change your, your way of being, you know, just because what other people think. So, and that's very important also. Do you ever have any trolls or anything that uh, piss you off on Instagram or stuff like that? Do you get any nasty I'm not going to say any. Oh, no. Actually, with that, like, like with Nicola, I don't have that problem because I, I always try to be like Switzerland, you know, like I try to be neutral. I'm not... You know, I feel like, I don't know, I, I saw that too, that he, when you guys were talking, I know, I actually, I, you know, I block a lot, obviously the system works better, but I never got any 
No, I'm I'm good with it. Sometimes yes, you know, like they they make like personal comments. I you know you shouldn't eat too much chicken and all that, but I don't care about that shit. You know, like because when I played, I played. People don't know how much workload you have. You know, I don't, I just don't have the time. Sometimes you know, like sometimes I have phases where. You know, I'm skinny. Sometimes I have phases where I gain weight, but I don't care about that stuff because, like, they don't know what I have to do and what I'm doing. So I just block them as soon as I see a comment like this, and that's it. You know, I, I don't nothing bad or something. Like I know Nikolai had <laughs> quite a few of those, and it's annoying. But uh, but those guys usually, you know, I always tell them just post something by yourself and see how that goes. You know, don't judge others. You know, like and and I always say too, like when you watch those videos. You know, like, sometimes it's misunderstood things as well. You know, you can't put everything in the video. Look, if you like Murat Toglu or not, I respect him for what he did. But sometimes, you know, when he teaches things, you know, he just expresses it different, but it, it touches us. Like, for example, like, you know, some people had problems with the, when he did the frisbee thing, you don't hit a back end like this. Yes, you don't hit a back end like this. But when you go to contact and the moment when you, when you feel that ball a second, that might actually help to be looser a little bit and go through. You're not hitting out of the wrist. You're still following through, but it's like it's a little, you know, and that's where I feel like people are picking too much, you know, like on, on those those things, you know, because you don't know the whole context. And, yeah, some some things might not be right as well, but I don't have to go in there and write that to that person. I know that for myself, and, you know, I don't need to make a comment or, like, be mean or something about something. No, and usually these people kind of, get bored of being that kind of person anyway, right? It's just, just troll behavior. And, and I think, you know, just uh, forget and, and just block and, and leave them. I think it seems to be the best yeah. policy. Yeah, I and mean, then discussion doesn't help in any, like in, in real life as well. Like, just like, let them write what they want and block and like, that's it. Life's too short. Like, I don't, I don't, I cannot, but I'm, I'm good. I actually really never had anything bad. So um, thank you guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been pretty pretty saved as well. I usually have a pretty loving community, which is good. But you know, yeah. sometimes you have it, but but generally okay compared to other niches. When it comes to, um, I mean, you have busy days. Do you ever have time to watch any pro tennis at all? Or yeah, I like to yeah, the majors. I like to watch, and uh, you know, I always uh, try to, at night and watch a little bit. And uh, when I was a little bit younger. I was like crazy um, recording the matches and then going and watching all the strokes from Novak. You know, my time was like even like later uh, in the early 2000s, like Moya, and I, I I looked at every part of the shot and those things I do a little bit. I have to stay with time, you know. What is Alcaraz doing so much better than other players? So I try to, uh, everyone tries to figure that one out right from the good guys to beat him and has to try to find now things to, to beat him because he's the person with Novak obviously still like uh, to, to beat so uh, try to experiment there and watch a little bit and have some ideas but uh, yeah when I can the majors is good and I like the the bigger tournaments you know and I like my son he likes Alcaraz and Rafa so I'm happy about that you know so he's seven so I like I like for him to watch as well so I watch with him yeah and good attitude the players attitude to learn yes. from like Rafa and, and Alcaraz like always a smile on his on his face like Alcaraz I really love that yeah. guy he's, he's I love just it. I love fresh fresh air you know really yeah. and when it comes to tennis watching in general like some people talk about like the diminishing interest in watching tennis on TV or streams or whatever uh, is that your feeling as well that tennis needs to change something I, you were talking about Muratoglu previously he's no, trying I, his UTS you know and stuff yeah. like that 
my opinion, my two cents on that is like the the thing, the event looked like fun, and I think the players had fun. But for me, I like the traditional way of playing, you know. So I think I'm a lot of my friends as well. They they uh, I just enjoy the way it is, and um, yeah, that that's maybe fun to watch one time. But I don't think it has future to be like taking most part of the year or something. But um, it was it's fun entertainment. I think that should be in the calendar as well. And uh, nothing against it. I think the players had fun. They looked like they were laughing and enjoying themselves out there. But uh, for like a tennis fan, nothing. Look, as I said earlier, Novak against Alcaraz. I mean, they had there's speechless still. You know, there was so much intensity, fun to watch. They it had everything. You know, so I don't think there needs to be anything to change there. Completely agree. So what's in the future for you? Like, do you have plans just to grow a tennis house? Do you want to launch your own clothing brand? What, what's, what's in the Actually, in the future? you know what? You, you, you <laughs> so everybody, well, since I, you know, I copyrighted and trademarked a logo like eight years ago, and I think it looks good on clothes. So yeah, and I heard yeah. that from, from others. That's just in the future. Look, uh, not so easy. You know, you have to find people that produce it. And so that's just like in the long, long run. So what I would like to do is like the tennis event I have once a year. Um, that's one thing I want to keep growing. So this year is the first time with DJ Madlings who's coming as a DJ. There might be another great DJ coming. So we have like a party. We have a mixer where people can come and play with the presenters like Johan Creek, Emilio Sanchez. That's fun, right? Then we have a sponsor dinner. Without the sponsors, I could not do that event. So we have unbelievable people in my club that helped me to to get something beautiful to our wonderful club. And then we're going to have the educational part for coaches mainly and parents. And so it's like a big event. And I want to grow that even more. I want to get Tennis Channel one day in there. So that's fun doing. And I would like to go, since my son is almost eight, I, I can go a little bit more to tournaments again. I have, like, you know, Chilich plays out there, my Croatian guys, they all play. And Laszlo, like, you know, Laszlo Jerry, uh, Laovic, all the Serbian guys. Um, you know, my friend Petar, who's with uh, Mutet, like, you know, Mr. Spine, he's, uh, he's with him. So I have a lot of friends who are on tour still, and I would love to, to watch a little bit more. So I tried the best to get to the U.S. Open. Uh, I did a mistake with Wimbledon. I didn't know that the players only have two accreditations, I, at least the regular players. So I couldn't, unfortunately, get in. Um, but I know the U.S. Open is different, so I'm going to get in there because they have way more accreditations of the players. So, yeah, some traveling a little bit more and as you the with working more closely with the brands you know and do like product stuff on on youtube and grow my youtube but um as i said my job is my my first thing that will not change i'll keep it that way because i love what i do and what i can do aside of that uh i will and that's gonna be the, the tennis house stuff awesome well i i thank you very much for the conversation really enjoyed it wish you the best of Me luck too. i will keep following your progress and you know, we should reconnect at some point, hopefully meet in person. I would love also to go to the U.S. Open. We'll see if I can make it happen or, or not, but otherwise next year. Some U.S. Yeah, tour you come would to be the fun. U.S. Open, let, let me know. And if I'm in Croatia or somewhere next year, it's a small flight to Sweden. I have still a lot of Swedish friends, you know, like, and uh, we can meet anywhere. You know, I lived in Malaga for two years, so I'm, you know, I know everything in my Bella area. So, you know, I'm Spanish was my other thing I studied, so I'm fluent in Spanish, and I like the South uh, Andalusia, so I wouldn't mind going there as well.
That's cool. Yeah, that's where I'm based. That would be great. Yeah, and I've heard that the Umag event is pretty nice to to. Uh, oh go yeah, it's beautiful. We could go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can do something together maybe the next year. I would love yeah, to. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thanks, Tabor. Okay. I wish you the best of luck with your day, and we keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man.